Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. As we're now, what, two weeks into the offseason, Justin? Feels like two months. Right? I, I mean, we at least have plenty to discuss tonight, but it just it slows down each week you get away from the end of the season until you get to, what, like February? March? Uh, I guess this year it'll be next year. It'll be February. End of February. Yeah. We do, it's not as long of a law off season as we've had in the past, so doesn't mean it won't feel long. To be fair, that's what we thought last off season, <laughs> and then they extended it another like month. That and is half. quite true. So <laughs> let's hope everything goes off without a hitch for next year's schedule. All right. Well, we got three main things we're going to discuss. First off, Jack Harvey finally confirmed at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, and a bit of a surprise there. Details on that coming up. Also. Andretti Autosport, could Michael Andretti buy into the Sauber Alfa Romeo Orlin racing team? I believe I got the name right there. More rumors on that, and involving Colton Herta. Plus, Kyle Kirkwood, his first IndyCar test. And another name to be on the lookout for in Indy Lights as well. All things we'll get to this week, but first, we'll start with a confirmation of Jack Harvey. Now, we all expected him to be confirmed at Ray Hall. What we did not expect was Jack being confirmed in the 45 car with Hy-Vee as the primary sponsor. Just as we predicted. (laughs) Not really. Yeah, no one really predicted that. I will be fascinated. If there was a drive to survive for IndyCar, I would love to watch the episode that is trying to decipher behind the scenes what's going on with Hy-Vee and Ray Hall Letterman-Lanigan. Because... You think that Hy-Vee is high on Santino Ferrucci, then it's not, then they're trying out other drivers, then now they're sponsoring him in NASCAR a little bit here and there, and you know now Hy-Vee talking with Iowa Speedway in terms of what's going on there. All this stuff, yet Hy-Vee now has their car with Jack Harvey going forward. No Santino Ferrucci, no third driver. It, it's, it, nothing of it makes sense. I would love to see the behind-the-scenes drama that's going on because I can guarantee you there is some. And we all expected him to be in that 30 card. We thought, wow, he must be bringing over AutoNation and or SiriusXM to sponsor a different team, right? I mean, that's what we all assumed. Sure, yeah, we all assumed. But, you know, as happens in auto racing, you th- you think you know what's happening and you realize you really don't. Yeah, it's no clue. never truly a done deal until it's actually announced in, in this case. Yes, it was a done deal as far as Jack Harvey going to the team but the car number threw everyone for a loop i think that's kind of exciting though when you look at it because we all thought and i know we said this i think even last week we all thought okay high v once an american in the 45 that was maybe a preference but we kind of took that as a mandate and clearly not a mandate could have been a preference for high v execs ultimately didn't matter clearly it wasn't and at least RLL did some convincing if they indeed needed to. And now you look at a team with, with Graham Rahal and Jack Harvey and, you know, is it Linus Lundquist or Linus Lundquist that is the leader in the clubhouse right now? But after what happened with Jack Harvey, who the heck knows, really? Well, you're thinking Christian Lungard. Christian Lungard, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not Linus, Linus yeah. Lundquist. Man, I'm, I'm struggling with names tonight. <laughs> Indy yeah. Lights guy, though, who, who will get an IndyCar test – we have no idea who went yeah, because who he did win. finish third in, yeah. in the lights championship. But um, yeah, it seems like Christian Lungard is the leader right now. 
for that ride. And of course, you know, was it a tryout when he raced a year ago or, you know, this past season with Ray Hall, Letterman, Atlanta? Where was it? Uh, IMS GP2. Yes. Qualified um, in the fast six, finished 12th, I believe. I mean, really solid debut. Now, granted, that's a track that's going to be, you know, a better fit for him as far as a European style track because the IMS road course, I mean, we saw Grosjean excel at that. Basically, guys who've come from Europe have excelled on that course. Yeah, so it worked out for Christian Lungard. We expect to see him in that third car, but until it happens, who really knows? And some interesting notes about that third car, which will, I guess, really be the second car, if you want to think about it, being the 30, at least the second car this past season. Uh, this from Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star. Bobby Rahal says that even with high support behind Jack, Rahal will be able to pick the driver they want for the number 30 entry rather than having to rely on said unannounced driver to bring the funding to support the ride. Hmm. Huh. How about that? So, again, all we're hearing is Lungard is still the leader in the clubhouse, but this puts a lot more people into play, and obviously some names you think of, Oliver Askew, Santino Ferrucci, because they ran with the team last season. You could throw in a Ryan hunter Ray, He's available. You could throw in a Kyle Kirkwood. Maybe. Who knows? In fact, more on that later on why I mentioned Ray Hall, but... Those are guys who are out there that could be options for that seat. And who knows? It, we've been waiting for this Jack Harvey announcement for a long time. And potentially, if Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan is still finagling things for that third car, or at least, you know, funding wise and who's going to be in it and, and what that looks like. But they knew Jack Harvey was going to be in and they knew High V was going to be in. They may as well, they may have just said, all right, you know, we're just going to put Jack Harvey in that seat and we're going to figure out the rest as we go deeper into the uh, into the um, off season. So it could be by circumstance that those two are married, at least, you know, for next season, Harvey and High V. Who knows? Jack High V? What? what? Jack High V? <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, it, it does tie in well. And also, uh, something I saw someone who pointed out, I want to say it was Tony Donahue on Twitter, pointed out, uh, you know, that someone tweeted him a picture of a high V store with all the 45 stuff. If you keep the car number the same, all the merch is still valid. Yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? And, in fact, they, they posted the red and black high V car on the Ray Hall Twitter account. Look sharp? Yeah, that's a hot rod, for sure. Nice. In fact, that's what they called it. And... It's one of three High V liveries slated for 2022. So you can check that out on their Twitter account. Really, really cool. And a couple other notes on the announcement. Multi-year deal. I think that's to be expected. They never really say how many years, but multi-year. You would think if you're going to move over to a team, it'd be a multi-year deal. Now, whether that second year is a driver option or team option, we don't know. We're probably not going to know until, what, next August? But at least he's got some security there. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years will allow him to settle in and, and really kind of perform well. I would say it's probably a two-year kind of deal, maybe a two-year with a team option for a third. See how he does for the first uh, couple seasons and go from there. And then another note from Nathan Brown of the Star, uh, Bobby Ray Hall confirms what I've been told and reported that by the end of October, 
Uh, Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing plans to announce the next driver of the number 30. So end of this month, two weeks time, we should know the driver of the 30 car. And we can stop all the speculation. <laughs> I at mean, least with this team. At least we're getting answers. You look at the grid. I think I counted it up the other day. I mean, we already have like 17 or 18 cars confirmed for next year. That's the number of cars we were having in the field back when, you know, IRL champ car era. I mean, they were lucky to have 17, 18, 19, 20 cars in the field total. Right. I mean, let's look at real quick. You Andretti, you have Herta, Rossi, Grosjean. Mm-hmm. McLaren, Pato, and Felix. Yep. That's five. Uh, Ganassi, you have Dixon, Polo, Johnson. Slash TK. And I believe I saw an article the other day that Ericsson had been confirmed. Now, granted, it was in Swedish. <laughs> so we're not counting that. No. <laughs> Yet. But that gets us a what? Eight? Nine? That'd be, it said we had eight. five, so eight confirmed. Yeah. So eight. Ed Carpenter with Renus VK. Yep. That's nine. That's nine. Uh, Hunkos. One without Eilat. Okay. Ten. Uh, three at Penske. Three 13. at Penske. Two at Ray Hall. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. And two at Shank. Yep. Seventeen. Anybody else? So 17 as we sit. As far as full season entries. Now, yeah. obviously, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Kanon. Split as of now. As of now, yeah. Split, but we expect that to change. Right? So, yeah, to your point, not too shabby for mid-October to have, you know, what was... 10 years ago, a full field already committed to 2022. So more on Jack Harvey. And Nathan Brown had a great article in the Star. He's getting a lot of attention right now from us because he had some good points. And this article, Insider Ray Hall's edition of Jack Harvey delivers something both need to reach the top and a couple of nuggets from this article that I found fascinating. Uh, Brown says, Among drivers who are running six or more races at the start of 2018, so the program Harvey and Meyershank Racing ran at 18. Only four ran that many races or more in 2021 and haven't won since at least 2017. There are three dri- or actually four drivers. Can you name them, Justin? What's the question? I lo- You lost me. Okay. So among drivers who are running six or more races at the start of 2018, so that includes Jack Harvey, only four ran that many races or more in 2021, so this past season, and haven't won since at least 2017. So one, so raced at least six races in 2019. 2018. 2018. To present. To present. And they are racing in 2021 as as far as six races or more. Okay. So. One's obvious because we're talking well, about yes. Jack Harvey. Harvey. Yes. <laughs> huh. Um, and they raced in 2021 as yeah. well? Yeah. Ed Jones? Yep. Okay. That's another. Um, let's see. Keep going. Keep going. Let me think. Let me think. Hinchcliffe? Uh, no. Okay. Um, Connor Daly? No. What the heck? Um, does uh, Charlie Kimball count? Nope. <sighs> One is Jack's uh, new teammate. Ray Hall. Yeah. Really? And then the other, think about a guy who hasn't won, who's been in IndyCar full-time for several seasons now. And has not won? Mm-hmm. Don't think too hard. Well, it's... Um, uh, wow. 
Chilton. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. So I found that interesting. Yeah, I'm struggling tonight, man. That's, and then there was rough. another thing uh, that I saw in this article because so part of the issue they have at Ray Hall is qualifying. Uh huh. But one of the strengths that Jack Harvey has qualifying. So Brown goes on to say, I think that will be fascinating too to see mm-hmm. whether he continues that or if he drops back down. Yes. So and this this is the stat line to back it up. So. Of the 10 IndyCar teams that ran at least one full-time entry in 2021, only three never had a driver start inside the top three. Can you name them? Again, don't think too hard. The team? There are three teams. Ray Hall? Yep. Uh, Coin? Nope. Shank? Nope. Uh, Foyt? Yep. Carlin? Correct. <laughs> okay. So Real, one, okay. One, one of those is not like the others. I'll read it again. So of the 10 IndyCar teams that ran at least one full-time entry in 2021, only three never had a driver start inside the top three, Foyt, Carlin, and Ray Hall. Now, Coyne, remember Grosjean, won a poll for Indy GP1 and I believe started second at another race. So he doesn't count. Carlin obviously only had Max Chilton. I think he did advance to at least a fast 12 once or twice. Foyt was really nowhere in terms of qualifying pace. Yeah. Ray Hall, Graham's best starting position of the season, I want to say, was Portland, and he started like fifth. So, yeah. And Sato was the hard charger award winner, or whatever, as far as most on track passes. And uh, Brown kind of delves into that stat that Sato is the the leader, which sounds great, but that means you're qualifying poorly because you're having to pass a lot of cars to get to a decent position on track. Yeah, absolutely. And and Jack Harvey, I mean, he's a guy who could qualify well. He made a couple of fast sixes, should have made another at mid-Ohio before that spin. I mean, this is a guy who can actually challenge for a pull with proper equipment, and he was doing that with a one to, I mean, I guess one-and-a-half car team when you look at it last year with the addition of Elio. For a handful of races like you said this is the ultimate thing the ray hall team has really struggled with qualifying sato's gone and he was struggling with qualifying toward the end uh this past season ray hall's struggled with qualifying for years in fact that's kind of his achilles heel in indy cars that he can't qualify well and if he did he'd probably win some races and probably be much higher in the championship than being kind of bound in that what fifth to seventh place range right I mean, here's the big question for for Jack Harvey is 49 career races, one podium. Yep. Is that a product of racing for inferior teams? And we're not talking like horrible teams here. I mean, no, Meyer Shank is a midfield team. Yeah. I mean, Schmidt Peterson with the partnership. And then Andretti, that one race is rookie year for the 500. But, you know, let's. Let's be playing. The results haven't been there. And is it all on the team, all on the driver, or a little bit of both? I feel like it's a little bit of both. I would agree. But he needs to step it up because he has a better opportunity at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. But to the point that you just made, it's not like Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan is consistently competing for wins on track. They're just not. Um, You know, part of that's qualifying. But part of it is, I got to be honest, I Graham Rahal doesn't strike me as a guy who can compete for wins week in and week out. Is that a team thing? I mean, part of it was 
strategy at Portland, they burned Ray Hall on what looked like a race win. I mean, he he didn't pit. Oh, we were all it. confused. And it's it's not just on Ray Hall too. And, That's and you know they team played it off. Yeah, decisions, setups, um, you know, mistakes in the pits or in the garage. Um, I I I don't see. It's a better situation for Jack Harvey, but it's not an exponentially better situation for Harvey, in my opinion. And he, quite frankly, doesn't have the results um, to me to to prove that he's a guy that all of a sudden is going to be at the pointy end of the field all the time now. I mean, perception is that Ray Hall is the better team here on paper, but part of that's just name and years and years of being a competitor in the series. But in reality, this move, you could argue, is a lateral move at best because he left a team that just won the Indy 500 that is on the upswing, that's running two full-time cars as opposing, as opposed to running one with a handful of races for a second car. A team that's, you know, on the upswing, whereas Ray Hall, I mean, this is a reset here. Yeah. I mean, last two years for Jack Harvey finished 15th and 13th in points. This year... RLL drivers finishing 7th and 11th in points. So, I guess it's a step up. But if Jack, you know, if Jack Harvey's still hovering around that 15 range next year, it, it, I mean, it, is he is what he is type thing, you know? I mean, the expectation is that he finishes in the top 10 next year in points, right? Couple podiums, top 10 to 12. I think anything worse than 12th it's going to be deemed a bad season. Right. So, you know, um, it's it it's overall just an interesting signing to me. I, I to me feel like there's more um talent out there than Jack Harvey, but Rayal Letterman Lanigan wanted him to the point that he walked away from a multi-year deal on the table at Meyer Shank. Hope it works out for him, but he needs to perform better than what we've seen through the first forty-nine races of his IndyCar career. Oh, absolutely, and I think. He views this as his opportunity to get that first win under his belt. I mean, look, some of the things with Harvey were self-inflicted. Some were team-inflicted as far as the past couple seasons when it comes to strategy or mechanical failures. You know, I mean, it it does go both ways. And like you said, we both feel like it's kind of a 50-50 split there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not all on him, but it's not on the team. Yeah. He needs to take advantage when he does have the opportunity to be up there. And I think he's left some some spots on the table, some positions when he should have been better. And then also should have been better when the team let him down. So but all in all, the the bigger of a sample size you get, the more and more you can start really judging a driver. And I think forty nine races over five years is enough to look at Jack Harvey and say he should have more than one podium over forty nine races. No doubt. Now looking ahead to this next season, do you think bringing him in is a positive because you get new ideas and someone who is typically qualified pretty well at some tracks as opposed to Sato who you know last couple years has not been that good of a qualifier um I have a hard time rationalizing letting a multi-time Indianapolis 500 driver walk away Yeah, Uh, and it's not like he was uncompetitive. This was his worst season in a few years, and like you said, he finished 11th in points. Yeah, I mean, mean, it's not like he was awful. And top 10 in points the the previous two years. But if the 
pinnacle of the series is the Indianapolis 500. If the goal is to win the Indianapolis 500, which a lot of teams say that's their goal. I, I know that will go... We can go down that rabbit hole uh, sometime in the offseason, whether championships or 500s are the more important. But if the goal is to win 500s, I would rather have Takuma Sato right now than Jack Harvey. But if RLL is looking towards 2023, 2024, and expecting a decline in Takuma Sato that may already be there, um, then I understand the move. But man... Two-time 500 winner being and not by a, Jack Harvey. Not a guy who won 500s, you know, a decade ago either. I mean, this is a guy who won two, three, uh, won two in like four, four years. years. Yes. And as recently as, you know, in 2020. 2020, yeah. So, I mean, in an ideal situation, you add Jack Harvey and you keep Takuma Sato, whether he's That's what we a thought. part-time or full-time deal. Yeah, and, I mean, and, then, and to me, that's a stacked lineup. And now you're at a position where, if this third car is is a rookie and Christian Lungard coming in, I mean, yeah, he may bring in a lot of funding from Alpine supposedly. But to me, that is a downgrade. And maybe that's the most important thing is is funding that full time third car. Even though Bobby Rahal himself said, funding is not a, you know, needed it, factor for that now third car the third yeah car. they basically don't need the alpine money to field that car is basically what bobby rahal said but you know i mean maybe you know we're judging takuma sato from a distance we're only seeing on track results maybe they've seen other things that you know he's clearly on the decline and best is behind him I and mean, the guy is well into his 40s so i wouldn't be surprised but you know he's in better shape than any of us around here so um you know he could have four five six years still ahead now whether he can still be a full-time driver going forward, I don't know. But he's he's definitely a driver you want to keep in your back pocket for May, that's for sure. Yeah, and he's a guy, if he doesn't lay in a full-time coin seat for next season, you fully expect him to be in a car for the Indy 500 and maybe a couple other races. Most definitely. So, look, I hope it works out for Jack Harvey. I'm just, you know, a little skeptical right now. Yes. I, I, I guess to me... I think he improves the qualifying pace. I think he's fully capable of getting that first win if, like you said, if the qualifying issue was a a driver issue or if it goes beyond that and it's a team issue at Ray Hall, and then they're in some serious trouble. I mean, this is opening a bigger Pandora's box here, okay? So, but... Is is Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing limiting themselves because they consider Graham Ray Hall their number one driver? Because you would think they're bringing in a Jack Harvey to complement their number one driver that's consistently competing up front. But Graham Ray Hall's not doing that. I mean, he's competing for top fives, but he's not competing, well, he's not competing for wins. Not competing for wins. Uh, so, to to me, you're hiring someone that's inferior to Graham Rahal, I feel, at this point in their careers, we can agree with that. So far, yeah. But Graham Rahal isn't that alpha. He's not that number one that a lot of these other teams have. I mean, you know, let's compare number ones across, you know, some of these teams. And and you look at it, and you go to Penske, and you say... Newgarden. Newgarden's a one. Uh, let's go to Andretti. Herda. Herda's a one. You go to McLaren... Pato's definitely Pato's a one. a one. You go to Ganassi. 
you got two. With yeah, you got a one A one B in Pelo now. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's you know your top teams right in the series you're looking at. And all of them have better ones than Graham Rahal. So and, and Graham is a. I mean, all those guys we just mentioned. I mean, those are the elite guys in IndyCar. Those are the top five right. guys in IndyCar. Whereas Graham is in that six to ten range. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying. If you have funding for a second full car and a third car, I mean, are you, I don't know, they don't want to usurp Graham Rahal, but I feel like they could hire somebody that could push Graham and potentially surpass him as the top driver on that team. But I don't think they want to do that because maybe, you know, they they still feel that Graham is their alpha, their number one. And the guy hasn't won in what, three years? Four, Four years? years? 2017. He's not a one. He's not an alpha. So you're basically adding to the bottom of your team as opposed to pushing it towards the top by maybe adding somebody above Ray Hall. So I you know, I'm just pointing it out because I feel like there were better options for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, either in the young driver market from lights or overseas. I feel like taking a flyer on potentially the next big thing in IndyCar would have been better than Jack Harvey. And maybe they think they're doing that in Christian Lungard. Maybe it works out. But I, I just see, feel like they, they hired somebody to compliment Graham Ray Hall, not push Graham Ray Hall. Yeah, and to me, when you have guys like Sada, who they let go, Ryan hunter is available, you have guys coming in from lights who could potentially be the future, and one of them, Kyle Kirkwood, that I'm going to talk about right now. I mean, Kyle Kirkwood did his first IndyCar test with Andretti. He was in the 26 car, which take with that what you want. <laughs> but uh, a couple of things. First off, in motorsport, Kirkwood quoted as saying, it will be more telling when we get to the Barber test, which is October 25th, uh, the, the date added by myself. But the Barber test. So what does that mean? Kirkwood has another IndyCar test later this month at Barber. So that's confirmed. In Herta's car. So yes. that means Herta's to F1 and Kirkwood <laughs> is in his car for 2022. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> then a Formula Scout uh, saying uh, in an interview with Kirkwood, Kirkwood says, technically there's news, but I can't talk about it. And then they go on to say some interesting team names. Obviously Andretti Autosport is a potential spot. But Devlin DeFrancesco, who also took part in that test at Sebring, earlier this week, believed to be the favorite for the vacant four seat. We, we know that. But Formula Scout also adds in the article, Kirkwood could also be an intention for seats at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing or Dale Coyne Racing, as their full lineups are yet to be confirmed. And Andretti boss Michael Andretti has also previously shared his desire to have an American in his Formula E team, where there's also a vacancy for the next season. All there. things to, to take into account. A lot there. Um, look, can I, I, I first of all say with with Kyle Kirkwood is at least with the racer article, uh, the he's not cocky, but man, he is pretty he's confident. Darn, he's confident, <laughs> and I love it, man. He just, you know, like, oh man, how did it feel being an Indy car whipping it around Sebring? He's like, mm, not you, bad. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't overwhelming. He basically said, you know, the tires made it easier. Yeah, he said, you know, <laughs> the lights car is more difficult to drive. <laughs> he said, I mean. I like the, you know, 
confidence in him. He's got a little bit of smugness, I think. And why not, man? He's dominated at every level of the road to Indy. And quite frank, frankly, I think there's a bit of a chip, of sho- uh, a chip on his shoulder because while we're hearing all these other Indy Lights guys lock up you know, rides with DeFrancesco all but assured a full-time ride at Andretti. Yeah, in the 29. I yeah. mean, it, it pretty much makes it sound like a done deal. And DeFrancesco also expected to test at Barber along with Kirkwood later this month. So you have that one in, in the bag. And Kirkwood is hinting at things like, yes, there could be more to come. Now, what does that mean? We don't know yet. Could that mean the Formula E seat? Could he run for multiple teams in IndyCar? Yeah. There are rumors that, you know, a team or, or like a partner could partner in and then he could get a full-time ride in IndyCar. Or, like you said, he could take Colton Herta's seat if Herta goes to F1. I mean, this this is a guy who won nine times in F4, 15 times in F3, 12 times in USF 2000 nine times in Indy Pro 2000, and ten times in Indy Lights. This is in a season, and he won championships in every single of those series. At one point, he was winning, what was it, like 75% of the races he entered or something? It's ridiculous. Absurd. And here we are talking about where this kid's going to end up in IndyCar. I mean, yeah, granted, he doesn't bring a fat check, but come on. This is arguably, in terms of dominance, the most dominant prospect in the road to Indy in what? 10 years, 15 years? I mean... A generation even? Yeah, because when Pato Award and Colton Herta were in lights, I mean, they're on the same team with Andretti in lights, and they basically split the season winning almost every race. Yeah, and They were dominant in their own right, but, I mean, they shared the dominance there. Yeah, and I don't think we can look at an Indy Lights in 2021 and say, oh, it was pretty watered down. I mean, I thought that no. it was a pretty talented field. Very solid field. he won 10 field. times. I mean... It's crazy what this kid has done, and I think part of him is kind of, you know, he's out to prove something, and um, he expects to be in this series full-time next year, whether that happens or I don't know, but I'm excited to see this kid in IndyCar because I think he can really wheel it. He's proven it at every level coming up the ladder, and uh, he's, he's, a, he's a big-time prospect, and I think whoever brings him in is going to really hit a home run with him. Well, and, you know, with a team, you get a driver like this. Now, if he goes to Andretti, it fits seamlessly, but we haven't really seen that with guys coming from Andretti's lights program go to their team, you know, in in recent years, despite the fact you would think it'd be a done deal. I mean, you look at, you can go all the way back to Sage Karam, and he was very successful on the ladder, but he had to switch teams late in his junior career and went to Schmidt at the time and then he he didn't really get the opportunities at at Andretti for IndyCar you know after that and then you look at even Colton Herta yes he was in the Andretti family but he was with the satellite team with Harding Steinbrenner racing and then Pato Ward was supposed to be there and then that didn't work and then he was able to get a handful of races with Carlin hang around so we haven't seen that transition happen as smoothly as you'd think. And you can even go back to Matthew Brabham, a guy who I think was doing really well coming up the ladder and then kind of stalled out in lights, didn't really get an IndyCar opportunity outside of, what, I think two or three races. So, yeah. I mean, this is the most surefire guy we've had, obviously, since Colton Hurd and Pato Award. But 
I'd say it take it to another level past them coming in. Yeah, I would agree. And it's so funny when you compare DeFrancesco and Kirkwood with their post-test comments, and Kirkwood's very... Man, it was, I'm I'm fine, unfazed. Yeah, there were some different things, but you know, I felt like it was a, easier to drive than a lights car. And Di Francesco is like, oh, there's so much, so much, you know, so much to learn, so much to learn. I'm, you know, everything, this, that, or the other. Uh, it was awesome, but man, I have a lot, a lot of way to go. Like two completely different mindsets, and I'm not saying one is right, one is wrong. It just seems like you know, Kyle Kirkwood is that is that he's a dog, man. I feel like you put him in a seat, and you're not going to regret it. And I mean, that kid. Um, needs to be somewhere in a competitive seed. And, you know, maybe he, he goes to somewhere that's largely uncompetitive, but shows enough uh, wheeling it around that he gets a big opportunity. But I, I just hope he's not filtered over into Formula E or whatever because he doesn't have the funding and Andretti doesn't have the funding to run him in a seat full time and, and all that. I, I hope he finds a, a, a permanent home, at least for 2022. It's something I just thought of that you can't forget about with Kirkwood. I mean, he's run with Vassar Sullivan on their Lexus GT sports car program Yep. in past years on some of the endurance races. Could Vassar Sullivan try to work something out? You know, maybe it could be with Andretti because they, they were not a guarantee to partner with Coin again for next year. Very we true. We can't forget that either. Um, you know, could we even see a loan type situation where Vassar um, Sullivan maybe takes Kirkwood under their wing um and like a one-year loan yeah, and like then, a one-year developmental thing and maybe andretti front some of the money for it potentially i don't know that's a possibility because we used to see that i mean like in cart all the time where like a, a guy would be on lo- i mean paul tracy was on loan from pinsky right for a year yeah. or something like that so right. i mean these things are possible yeah absolutely all right let's get to the thing i think everyone's been waiting to talk about and that is andretti colton herda in Formula One. Here we go. And I'm glad when we talked about this pre-recording, we were on the same page and we're both equally as fired up. Yes. So first off, where we're at with all this, there are rumors that have been circulating for a while, but they really picked up last weekend. Of course, there was an F1 race in Turkey and the the rumor out there, and I mean, it's been reported uh, Chris Medlin of Racer.com, Michael Andretti set to further Sauber F1 takeover talks in Austin. So that'll be at the uh, U.S. Grand Prix coming up not this weekend, but next weekend. So what, October, what is it, 23rd, 24th? Uh, yes, 22nd, yep. 23rd, 24th. So that's when those talks will supposedly happen. In uh, Medlin's article, Race understands that the Swiss-based team have been advancing and further negotiations are set to take place in two weeks. Andretti believed to have secured at least part the required funding through the Andretti Acquisitions Corporation, a.k.a. that SPAC that we told you about months ago that we didn't even pretend to understand what was going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Something way over our heads, right? They had the goal of raising $250 million through an IPO, and an investment is viewed as particularly well-timed from a U.S. perspective given the recent focus of North America from F1's owners, Liberty Media. So you throw that into it, and you can't forget that Liberty Media, are are they American-based? They are. I don't know. Yes. They are? Okay. So, and don't forget, Liberty Media has a stake in Meyer Shank Racing as well. Uh-huh. So something you can't forget about. And also probably how they got this Netflix deal, and basically all these things connect to each yeah. other in, in one way, shape, or yep. form. Next year, F1 will have two races. 
Soon to be three, soon to be eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically, we know that Valtteri Botas will be the the primary driver for whatever this team is called next year. If it's Alfa Romeo or Andretti Grand Prix, Andretti, Alfa Romeo, whatever. Um, But we know that he's the number one driver. The number two driver has not been selected. Now, there's the talk of Colton Herta that is picked up and rumors on that. And this first circulated, I believe, in Portuguese on some article. But apparently the writer of that was the Brazilian authority on F1. Oh, sure. So, I mean, that's reputable. That's pretty strong. Yeah. They'll have to buy out. Andretti will have to buy out this company that controls the majority stake of the F1 team within Sabre. I mean, you have all these different, like... Yeah, but you have to buy out the majority partner, basically. Yes, so that would be how that would work. In the translation, uh, Michael Andretti buys Sabre and Colton Herta will be the Alfa Romeo driver in 2022. That is the translation as far as the Portuguese article. Now, you can get into some of the hiccups to this happening right away for next year. One being Colton Herta doesn't have the super license points. He needs 40. He has 32. If they included his light season that he finished second in the championship and only had, what, eight or nine full-time cars, Yeah, he would easily hit the, the 40 mark. In fact, I think he'd be above it. But because of that, that's not counted in because I think they needed at least 10 cars yeah, in, a a championship. in the championship. Yeah. So that's the holdup. Also, he could technically get there by competing in all the FP1s to close out the F1 season. Yeah, it's not happening. And that's, yeah, highly unlikely. Or the other thing, which is much more likely, he'd get an exemption from F1 to compete based on his results. And on one hand, it's ridiculous that he and Pato Award are not qualified enough I mean, yeah. the, the system is set up really against IndyCar. I don't really understand the whole super license no. thing. I would loan, I could loan some of my super license points to Colton Herta, but it wouldn't get any closer. Are you like a to. gold, silver, or bronze rated driver um, in sports cars? I don't know. It, I think it's platinum, <laughs> platinum? aluminum, maybe <laughs> aluminum, <laughs> um, Teflon. Yeah. Uh, Andretti's going to be back in Formula One in some capacity. Maybe not twenty twenty two. But definitely by 2023. And that's when I expect... I don't s- expect Colton Herta over there by 2022. No, I, I don't either. And But I think 2023, yes. Yes, I would agree. In fact, there's so much to this that uh, a company, uh, MDM underscore designs on Twitter, said, we legit did an Andretti 2022 concept a month ago for a partner's modeling portfolio. Their IndyCar livery and sponsors would translate so well onto a 2022 F1 car, especially with Herta at the wheel. So, I mean, there there's a lot to this. I mean, it's not just some crazy rumor. I mean, there's a lot of smoke here. Yeah, and I think it, it'll happen for sure. Um, when it happens, who knows? It just seems like a lot of fine print to go through before the Australian Grand Prix, which is what, early March? Yeah, usually early March. I mean, you don't have a lot of time. You're basically looking at less than five months to get all this straightened out. So maybe they're a lot further down the road than we think and what we've heard, but it's going to be a stretch to get this done by 2022. That's for sure. Now, on the positive side, you want to get it 
done for next season on the sense that you know you have a new car on the other hand you're going to be pretty behind on development you know if you're doing this switch over at that time yeah i just feel like why rush it when you're putting this hundreds of millions of dollars into it i just do it for 23 but i don't know um but i think we can you and i can both agree yes With uh, with IndyCar fans on social media and even some writers and and you know we respect Marshall Pruitt and everybody it's just you know we we're going to casually disagree that look Colton Herta has the opportunity to go to Formula One he would be stupid not to period there's no argument against it I don't I don't care oh he hasn't done, he won and oh you know you could be a back marker potentially or you know this that and the other it does not matter. If your goal as a driver since you were young was to reach Formula One, it is the pinnacle of motorsport. And to be able to run in Formula One, even if it's running 20th for a season, that's huge. That's special. And he'll make a crap ton of money doing it. Yeah. I mean, his IndyCar salary is probably around a million and change. In F1, easy seven or eight times that much. he, He should make at minimum. I mean, five, six, seven, eight million dollars. Now, I, apparently, I, I saw some chart the other day that had salaries, and some of the guys on the low end of the smaller teams are only making about a million dollars. But that may have only been their driver salary from the team. You got to right. remember the endorsement opportunities yeah. are global sponsor here. stuff. And look, you you'll you'll come back to IndyCar. We've seen it before, and we're seeing drivers now going from Formula One to IndyCar after their. Their opportunities have dried up, but you don't get an F1 seat easily and an opportunity. And if Colton Herta took more than two seconds to think about it, uh, I would have an issue because he just, if that opportunity opens, he's gone. He needs to take it. No ifs, ands, or buts. And if you don't take it when it's offered, if it's offered here soon, Nothing. you may never get that opportunity yeah. again. The door could close, and you'd never have it. And and you know, Colton Herta would be the biggest regret of his racing career. He could go on and win six championships and four Indianapolis 500s. But if he never got another shot at climbing into an F1 car or racing in an F1 race, that would be the biggest regret of his career. Yeah, and uh, you got to remember, his dream was F1 to start out. So. Yeah, IndyCar is great. Still and is. There's, there's nothing wrong with IndyCar in this scenario. It's just, like you said, you can come back to IndyCar. And I can run down a, a list, a handful of drivers who have come back since competing in IndyCar, then going to F1, then coming back to IndyCar. So, I mean, obvious examples you have, um, let's see, Juan Pablo Montoya. I yeah. don't think anyone thinks less of him. Right. Sebastian Bourdais. Yeah. These are all guys who have won races, mind you going from whatever version of IndyCar was at the time to F1 and then back to IndyCar. So you have those two guys. Um, let's see. Michael Andretti. You have... Do we think any less of Michael Andretti because he no. went in Formula 1? Didn't no. think so. I mean, all those guys won races after coming back to IndyCar. And I can get to guys who came back who didn't win a race but have still competed. I mean, you have Jacques Villeneuve, technically. He, yeah. he competed. He competed in an Indy 500. He came back. And to any of those guys that you mentioned, you look back and say it was a mistake for them to go to Formula One. No. Absolutely not. Now, it, it didn't work for Michael Andretti in F1. No, but he... It didn't work for Sebastian Bourdais. But he still came back and, and got an opportunity in IndyCar because they're that highly thought of. Absolutely. And look, 
Formula One right now is a young man's game. And Colton Hurd is 21 years old. So let's say in in a year or two, he's 22, 23 years old going over to Formula One. He could spend four years over in Formula One and still come back to IndyCar and still be in his late 20s. And 27, being years old. Yeah. for IndyCar. <laughs> I mean, and conversely, if you pass it up at 21 and the next opportunity comes around when you're 25, right now, Formula One teams want the next big thing. 25 is almost too old at this point yeah so it's ridiculous to even come to me and try to rationalize the argument that colton herta should stay in indycar instead of going to formula one it's ridiculous it's selfish by indycar fans i understand why you feel that way but step back and realize the big picture of motorsport and realize just how big racing in formula one is whether you're at the front of the grid or the back of the grid to be able to Take off when lights go out there is a dream for almost every single race car driver that comes up, and that's Colton Herta included. I think in sports, this this happens pretty often when people leave a team or they go elsewhere. People are disappointed and angry because of the emotional connection. But when you put yourself in that person's shoes, and in this case it's Colton Herta, if you're offered an F1 seat, and obviously, it's a slam dunk if you're offered a Red Bull, a Mercedes, a McLaren, Ferrari seat. I mean, right now, those are all slam dunks. Of course, you take it. You'd be a fool right. to, to turn it down. But even if you're offered any of the seats right now, I mean, we've seen the progress Williams has made. We've seen the progress that uh, Alfa Romeo. No, not Haas. <laughs> not so much with Haas, but uh, they don't have any open seats currently. Right. But if you put yourself and have the opportunity to do it, I mean, even if it doesn't work out, you can look back and say, wow, I can't believe I got that opportunity to do that. I mean, think about it. If you're offered like a dream job for whatever field you're in and it fails miserably, I don't think you're going to look at the end and say, wow, what a mistake. I think you're going to say, you know, I got the opportunity. It didn't work out, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And 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 I'm thankful that I got the opportunity. And look at it in bigger picture, Caleb, is, you know, for a long time, everybody's saying, well, look at the lack of Americans getting a shot in Formula One. So an American actually gets a shot and he turns it down. What does that tell other teams in F1? They're like, well, you know, what makes us want to offer the next big thing in in America if he's not even going to come? So it's almost a duty to reopen that pipeline for Colton Herta to go. So, yeah. Keep your arguments to yourselves. None of them make sense if you are trying to say he should stay in IndyCar. Because even if he goes to Formula One, he will be back. Don't worry. Yes, I I think that is the takeaway. If he leaves, he'll return eventually. Because there's just, I mean, you're not going to finish your career in F1. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen is the exception and not not the standard here. It's almost like, you know, uh, you know, professional coaches like you know you never get the opportunity to retire very rarely you're always getting fired except for you know a select few right similar to formula one mm-hmm. i mean similar to all of auto motorsport really but especially formula one all right so the other thing i wanted to get to that i thought was really interesting is that ernie francis jr will have an opportunity to compete in indy lights next season which i think is a big under the radar move for indycar moving forward 
Now, this is a guy who competed in SRX. He's won Trans Am like what, 11 billion times, or was it like seven <laughs> times? He finished second in five. SRX behind Tony Stewart yeah. this season. So we first became familiar with him through SRX. I think he won one of the races, and it was kind of a, like a coming out party for, for his name in racing. But this is a pretty big deal. He'd be part of the Force Indy team. Now they're testing him at IMS later this month. Uh, this month, the Chris Griffiths uh, Memorial Test that they do for the Road to Indy every October. So this is a pretty big deal for IndyCar. This is a guy who has raced what is it F4, and he's in the championship. Won a race there. He's adapting to. Road course, you know, single-seater open-wheel racing. Right. Not going to win that championship, but I believe he's in third. This is a guy who wants to come to IndyCar, who could be a future star, who's obviously very talented. He's still pretty young. Yeah, I think 23. So, to me, this is a huge deal if IndyCar can get this right with, with the Force Indy team. Big opportunity, and and kind of what they wanted to accomplish with this Force Indy team is give guys uh, and gals uh, the opportunity to race in open wheel racing that maybe otherwise wouldn't. And uh, he fits that bill. Uh, he, I think he did an Xfinity race a couple years yeah, ago. I believe at Road America. So I mean, he was in the NASCAR pipeline and just didn't yeah, really he was in the regional anywhere. series and then just kind of dried up and you know maybe it's spo- it's uh, lack of money and sponsorship, who knows? But uh, the the kid can wheel, and it will be good to see him try to prove what he can do in Indy Lights. I just hope it's not at the uh, expense of was it Miles Rowe? Yes. That all of a sudden you know force Indy transitioning from USF 2000 to Indy Lights for next year, kind of leaving one series to go to another. Yeah, so Ernie Francis Jr., he's 23. I uh, has been a champion in his class in Trans Am 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18, different classes across there. Uh, he won the Lucas Oil Raceway race for the SRX series this past year. That one NASCAR race... Uh, in Xfinity, he's run the Canon Pro Series East. He finished 39th at Road America in his lone Xfinity Series race. So I mean, this is a big opportunity for IndyCar as they take over Indy Lights to get you know kind of a, a guy who could be a future star. And like you mentioned, with Miles Rowe, so Nathan Brown of the Indy Star saying that. Uh, Miles Road Racing had a USF 2000 test earlier this week with Pabst Racing. They had drivers finish third and fourth this year. Long ways from an official ride, but I would expect his racing career to continue despite this week's news. So I hopefully mean, good news on the front for Miles Road. Yeah, well. and you know maybe it's a sense with, uh, with Force Indy that, look, Miles did a good enough job in USF 2000 with us that he's going to get a seat to continue somewhere. So maybe they're like, look, mission accomplished with Miles. Now let's bump up and see what we can do for Ernie Francis Jr. So for Ernie Francis Jr., he'll run the full season in lights, assuming the test goes well. I mean, that's kind of the the one stipulation here. I would think the test would go well. I mean, you don't often hear. I was going to say, when's the last time we had a driver that just completely bombed his test? Uh, J.K. Fernay. Okay. Indy Lights champion. I couldn't even tell you what year that was. 2012, 2013. 
mean, it's, it's, been, it's a been a while. Yeah. But, I mean, he apparently crashed, and he's running sports cars, I think, having success now. But I think that's kind of the last time we really got that kind of message. <laughs> Uh, hopefully it goes well. It's just we're we're due for somebody to crash and burn on a test. Not literally, but you know, fail <laughs> miserably. Yes, hopefully it's not Ernie Francis Jr. Because no, this agree. would be big. And hopefully it's a guy we don't like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a part of Penske Entertainment's Race for Equality and Change program as part of that Force Indie team. So those are the details. There we'll see what he can do. Again, some experience with open wheel cars. But uh, he'll test October 30th and 31st for the Chris Griffiths test at IMS, and that is kind of the plan. So we'll see how it works. Looking forward to it. Fingers crossed for that one, and at least he's competed in open wheel. He won the Mid-Ohio race in June for the Future Star Racing Formula Regional Americas team. So FRA, I guess, is what that would be. Scored back-to-back victories at Virginia International Raceway. So he's had some some serious success in those kind of junior open wheel ladder series. But not on the road to Indy yet. Hopefully that changes next year. We shall see. Do you think he's a guy who will be able to jump up to IndyCar, you know, after one season, or do you think it'll take a little longer? Uh, with his limited experience in open wheel cars, I feel like it's it's a it's a two-year thing. I think so. I know they really want this driver, whether it's Ernie Francis Jr. or someone else, to be in the Indy 500 in, like, 2023. I know that's kind of the goal. Yeah, maybe it, that's, yeah. It's uh, That possible. would make sense then. I, I guess to me it, it's hard when you don't have an Indy Lights race on the oval at IMS. <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to rush a kid just to get a person of color in the race. Yeah, I... I I mean, he's qualified in the sense that his racing experience, but he needs more seat time, and we'll see how the test goes. And if he does compete in Indy Lights, I think we'll know pretty quickly if he's capable. Totally. I would agree. All right. Well, whether you agree or disagree with us on a lot of things, whether it's Colton Herta, Kyle Kirkwood, the 30 car for Ray Hall, Ernie Francis Jr., we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode also check out the store as well we got stickers for sale you can interact with us on social media our twitter handle is indycar podcast on facebook follow us just search for new track record and you can email us as well new track record podcast at gmail.com and make sure you follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms apple podcasts spotify or wherever you find your podcasts all for free Make sure you subscribe to us. And if you're really nice, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd uh, really appreciate it. Write a review if you're really, really nice. But, again, you don't have to be that nice. Just give us a five-star rating. Be much appreciated. All right, Justin, time for the mailbag this week. Yes. And we'll see what we have here. Scrolling back in the past. Not, Not a ton, but some stuff. All right, first off, from N.K. Harden, who translated this uh, Portuguese article on Andretti, Colton Herta, F1, all of that. saying Harden putting in work. Yeah. Hope that second part isn't true, talking about Herta being the driver. Zach Hurley, 8771, says, a young, talented American in F1. Sounds great to me. Any car has plenty of talent, even if he leaves. Agreed. 
Now I would he love is, to see an American on the grid. He is kind of like that next talent, you know, for IndyCar, the, the current guy, along with Pato Award. But I think we both would not be surprised at all to see them get F1 seats in the next two years. Wouldn't that be awesome if both Colton Herta and Pato Award are racing for Andretti F1 and McLaren? That'd be incredible. It'd be sweet. I mean, it's not going to be McLaren anytime soon due to Ricardo's contract. Right. For Pato. But, I mean, he is having a seat fit in sim time in the McLaren factory mm-hmm. currently to get ready for his test later this year. So, I mean, he's at least getting a test, and that's the start. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a good, bad thing with McLaren F1 in, in relation to, to Pato Award. The fact that they're third in, in team championship and both Lando, more Lando than Daniel Ricciardo have been, you know, competitive – up front that you know i don't see any changes in those seats anytime soon but it also puts mclaren in a position that when you do get into one of those seats you are going to be able to race towards the top half of the grid and it's always good to at least have another guy in your pipeline who can move up who can be ready in a couple years now pato's not ready for f1 you know obviously not next season and maybe after next season he could be after competing in indycar but again i don't think this is something that's going to happen in the next two years, but maybe three years from now, it could be a possibility. Could you see a scenario with how things are trending right now with Formula One where people go through F4, F3, F2, and then there's no seats open and they're reserve drivers and they're basically doing nothing? That's what's happening right now. Right. Could we see a situation where more... F1 teams look at IndyCar as instead of a reserve driver just sitting there doing nothing, we're going to find it. Look at Alpine, potentially, uh, with Christian Lungard. Is Are they going to start financing drivers to race IndyCar instead of being reserve drivers? Or maybe have reserve drivers, but other guys that they want to have, uh, they're sending over to the States. To me, it doesn't make sense to have these reserve drivers just sitting around and maybe doing like one or two practice sessions unless they have like an extensive testing schedule right which i don't know how much testing they're doing in those roles i mean a lot of times i feel like it's the drivers pay to be to the reserve be the reserve driver that's why they have the role and it's more like a status thing like you're not really getting an opportunity yeah but it but it looks good because you're affiliated with the team yeah but i mean could you see more teams going you know okay well Instead of having, we already have two quote unquote reserve drivers to hold on to this guy, we're going to send him over to IndyCar. We'll have affiliation with the team. We'll, we'll write a check and he races over there for a year or two to keep the seat warm. I'd rather have a guy in a seat like an IndyCar competing, like you're saying, because just sitting over there doing nothing is, is a waste. Yeah. I just feel like, could we see things starting to trend that way? Because you're already seeing the exodus from Europe here more and more as guys run out of opportunities over there does formula one try to extend the relationships with these drivers once they run into the f1 wall and they say okay 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 okay. so here instead of you being a reserve driver we're going to control you for a couple more years but we're going to finance you in a seat in indycar with a team for a couple years could you see that becoming a thing yeah i feel like it's in a way already happening if if lungard's confirmed it's already happening i mean you're seeing Soon there'll be one fifth of the Formula One teams will have IndyCar teams. Formula or uh, McLaren, 
and soon Andretti. Right? So that's two teams that could use it that way. And I, you know, you're looking at Alpine potentially throwing money this way for Lungard. And I don't see it ending there. I could continue to see that because, you know, I think every one of these Formula One teams is watching really, really, really good talent get away because they don't know what to do with them. And these drivers are seeing opportunities elsewhere, not just in IndyCar, but around the world. Instead of being a reserve driver and doing absolutely nothing, I'm going to go race somewhere. And the more drivers that do that and prove themselves in these other disciplines, the more the dri- more drivers are going to want to do it, and then the more teams over in Formula One are going to be like, you know what, it'd be kind of smart to hold on to this guy, do it like, you know, I mean, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if Nikita Maisman can get a seat in F1, but you have guys sitting on the side, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating for some of these drivers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you're Haas and you're saying, okay, um, Callum Eilat, for example, you know, we still want you, you know, Nikita Mazepin, you, you know, he's proving himself that he's probably not the long-term answer there at Haas. <laughs> probably gets another year, but after that, it's, you know. Probably it, if if Haas even wants to stay in yeah, it after next right. year. right, but, you know, instead of losing Eilat, let's say, you're funding him to go run IndyCar for a year or two and prove himself over there or at least get seat time for a potential F1. So, you know, I know some IndyCar fans are going to moan and groan and, oh, you know, IndyCar is not a feeder to Formula One, but, you know, whatever. Do you want some of the best drivers in the world being in your series? Because I do. And a lot of the best drivers in the world are stuck being reserve drivers in Formula One. I mean, we're seeing it right now with Lungard, obviously. I mean, he's yeah. clearly very talented to come into IndyCar, do one race weekend, make a Firestone Fast Sticks, finish in 12th with a, a good team, but it's not like he was with Penske or Ganassi or McLaren or Andretti. Yeah. I mean, at a, at a track that he'd never been to. Yep. I mean, yeah. Ultra impressive. This from, according to Stitch, uh, rate the race. I give it a zero. Couldn't find it on TV. <laughs> Doesn't sound like there was a lot of on-track action. <laughs> yeah, but the pre-race show was still bad. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the pre-race show either. <laughs> still skipped it. Uh, this uh, on the thread on the third driver for... Ray Hall, uh, Tyler underscore Allen says, my money is on Askew, maybe Ryan Hunter Ray. Late Boomer underscore Jack says, it will be Lungard. Again, all options, all legitimate options, and we'll see what happens by the end of the month. All depends on what direction Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan wants to go. This is from NCAPTEEN 185. That livery is fire, referring to Jack Harvey's new livery. Harvey is going to be a nice addition to RLL. Can we get more of the voting for liveries in 2022? I personally never voted for Jimmy Johnson's liveries, but I thought it was a pretty cool fan interaction type thing. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I voted a couple times. I thought there were some cool ones. Yeah, I think that should be more of a thing. Uh, This from Nick J. Fletcher on the uh, third Ray Hall car. Give the people what they want and the people want... Marty Roth. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher also adding on uh, Harvey. I was so worried that I would be able to distinguish Harvey from several other cars in the field for the first time in his career. I hope he <laughs> exclusively runs this livery when Will Power runs the Verizon 5G livery and then back to pink and black when Rossi runs AutoNation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got a lot of uh, red and black and then pink and black cars in the field now suddenly. 
Not All that right. like that one year the way everybody had the same type color blue. Oh, gosh. So red or blue? I mean, it was, it was like yeah. the red cars for a long time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, poll on who will drive the third car, what people think. 69% said Lungard. Nice. 14% said Ferrucci. 16% said Askew. 1% said Other. Hunter's Way 67. I want to see Askew in that seat, but I have a feeling it's going to be Lungard. Uh, Joseph underscore Bear. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> I don't uh, think so. I don't uh. think so, and pretty soon he could be out of a job with that's, the Colts. That's also true. Elena Cat 99 hoping for Askew. Tired of these European drivers coming over here because there's no place for them in F1, and F1 isn't doing a thing about it. We no, have I'm a fine. ladder series. If they want to race in IndyCar, they should be coming up through the ranks on this side of the pot. I disagree. Imagine the uh, the 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 field if you know you had to go through the road to Indy. Yeah, there's some really good talent that has come through the road to Indy, but we've also gained Alexander Rossi. We've gained uh, Marcus Erickson, Marcus Erickson, Roman Grosjean, yeah. Jimmy Johnson. I mean, come on. I'm okay with the mix. Now, I don't yeah, want yeah. it to ever get to a point where road to Indy guys and gals are shut out, and I don't think that's happening. I would agree. I mean, Scott McLaughlin. Yeah. I mean, that's a great addition. I mean, you look at the talent, yeah. those people we named off. I mean, yeah, not from the road to Indy, but also very talented and great people to, to have in IndyCar as far as a credibility standpoint. Yeah. I mean, if you if you said, nope, you have to go through the road to Indy or at least Indy Lights first, uh, you're losing half of the talent in IndyCar. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> at least half. Yeah. Maybe more. At least half. All right, this from Jeremy from HBG. What we all really want to know is, who is taking Elio's place in SRX? <laughs> that is a great question. Uh, yeah, I agree. Do we see another uh, former IndyCar driver? You know, we had Paul Tracy, you had Marco. Juan Elio? Montoya, could he uh, Maybe. be a part of it? Maybe, I don't know. I'd like to see Juan Montoya yeah, in SRX. that would be entertaining. Yeah, most there, definitely. That's my guess. I don't think he's going to do it, but that that's my guess. Okay, we'll see. All right, uh, both of these from Poet Shevchenko. Uh, first one, there was a story earlier this year about how Aero McLaren SP was able to use their F1 resources for live telemetry in IndyCar. How much of that kind of a thing is a motivator for Andretti to do something similar? I can see him putting the Sauber wind tunnel to good use. Technology is good. I yeah. most definitely could see it. I don't know if it's a motivator per se. For me, no, I see I it more it's... as an added benefit. Sure, yeah, Absolutely. And then this also from Poet Shevchenko on Twitter. With any car going hybrid and more power and F1 changing regs to something that in theory drives more like an IndyCar and one or possibly two organizations having both IndyCar and F1 teams, will we see the road to any and IndyCar become a more popular driver progression system? Uh, yeah, I, I think we kind of touched on it with um, potentially Formula One looking at IndyCar for its reserve drivers or developmental drivers. Definitely could see an option. I mean, they could look at at Indy Lights is, you know, another F2 type thing or F3. Let's not forget that when Max Chilton came over to the States, he did a season in Lights with Carlin before jumping to IndyCar. Yeah. So. And one race is in Lights. Yeah. Or at least so, a race. You know, I, I feel like, you know, with the way things are trending, that IndyCar could become more and more popular within Formula One in terms of where they're going to place their drivers um, when they run out of options in Europe and 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 F two or run out of money, so um, for these for these junior drivers, 
you know, they try to control them over there, right? I mean, every single thing. Well, once they realize they have no money left and nowhere to go, then they filter into, uh, into other series. But if the Formula One teams can control them when they go elsewhere, uh, you just hold on to them for another couple of years and, and who knows what develops. All right. And this courtesy of website submission at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com from Hosway. Uh, love your podcast and love the IndyCar sports cars and F1 content. IndyCar is my religion, but I can't deny the F1 crossover. With that said, having another F1 race in the USA just doesn't make it exciting for me to watch. I hardly watch F1, but I do keep up, know what is going on. Uh, but three races in the USA, no. One <laughs> race only in the USA. As it is, the F1 calendar is too big. 23 races, it's too much. I don't get excited after October. More is not better. Liberty Media and F1 starting to act like NASCAR with contrived uh, artificial entertainment. Now longer season with another race in the USA. And don't get me started with the sprint sprint qualifying format BS. Mm-hmm. However, I can't deny that the rising interest in F1 increases the interest in IndyCar. With Michael Andretti buying Sauber F1, that just means more exposure for IndyCar. Thanks for the podcast. A lot yeah, there. It, Thank you, you for the uh, submission. Yeah, there's... There is something to be said with oversaturation, right? And for IndyCar, they've long kind of held to this, you know, 17 races, but this pipe dream of, well, if we get an international swing, you know, maybe we could do 20. But anything more than that seems excessive. And you got to you gotta give people, leave them wanting more, right? And with F1, the way they're expanding, you almost wonder if it is too much, especially in the U.S. I mean, I understand... They had an offer that they couldn't turn down with uh, Miami, and I think the race will be a complete dud, to be honest. But if that's what the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, wants to pay for, then he can do that. I feel like um, Formula One, to me, with 23 races, doesn't feel like a lot because they are spread out. I mean, you're going over nine months with 23 races. So... Let's speculate four times nine, 36 weeks. You have 23 races in 36 weeks, you know, give or take, right? I don't think that's overwhelming. What overwhelming to me is Cup, where you have 30-some <laughs> races over eight months, nine months. Uh, that's a lot. And that's why, even if I wanted to, I can't get into Cup. And even when I used to watch it, it just got draining because you were so invested. It's like it it became a chore. Like, okay, I have to watch another race. And this sounds like, you know, this this uh, this email or this uh, submission to us is kind of a sim- similar thing with, with Formula One is, okay, it's on again. I got to watch again, even though I don't really want to. Um, but it doesn't bother me, 23 in... 36 isn't bad for me, but it, I mean, you're, you're dangerously getting closer to, you know, too many. I, I think with IndyCar, I mean, you get much more than 20, then it's too much. And right now they're at 17. Now, granted, some of those, you have multiple races. I mean, you have a doubleheader, Iowa, you have two races on the IMS road course. I mean, ideally you get to no double headers and all kind of standalone events, whether that's 18, 19, 20 races, that's the ideal number. And then you can kind of get into how it, how it is with ovals versus road courses versus street courses. I know a lot of people want 10 and 10. Some people want seven, seven, seven. 
which I get would be 21. But I mean, that was the breakdown. I want to say cart cart had a schedule that was seven, seven, seven. Yeah. That a lot of people think was the ideal. Cause that is, you know, every discipline split evenly. And, right. you know, ideally to me, I mean, you have at least five oval races minimum, but obviously a lot more than that. Problem is fans don't show up to those and the cars race better on run tree courses now. Well, if 17 is not enough and 23 is too much, then, you know, is it 20 that sweet spot for, for both IndyCar and Formula One? Probably. I think F1 also, they're trying to go back to traditional tracks. And I think that's helpful, but they're going to have to let go of those cash grabs in certain countries. Yeah. To, which to do that. You know, I think I guess as part of the expansion in the United States is if they can get a couple more solid races in the States, they can give up some of those cash grabs. We'll see. I'm not counting on it, I guess is what I'm no, saying. No, I mean, <laughs> money talks. I'm sorry. You know? And, you know, I know the teams will say, oh, we're stretched thin, but you know what? They like they sure as heck like the bigger check at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. so we'll see. I would get get rid of triple headers, though, I don't in Formula One. I don't, I don't I, that would be one thing I would get rid of but uh you know is what it is every every series has an imperfect schedule there's no perfect schedule out there for sure and we're at least getting closer to a better schedule for IndyCar but I think we're still several several years away from being anywhere close to that Right now. We used to be in the take one step forward, two steps back with the schedule. I think now we've turned the page to the two steps forward, one step back yes. type scenario. <laughs> Progress. Yes. Albeit it, slow. It, it inches very slowly. Yes. All right. News and notes. Not a whole lot to get to. Congrats to Sage Karam. I believe he finished 11th at the Charlotte Roval in Xfinity uh, the other weekend. Alex Plo was also there. He'd be happy for an IndyCar race at the Roval. Also, he met James Bond. Ooh. D- Daniel Craig was there as really? well. Yeah. So Daniel Craig has now been at a Formula One race and a cup race this year. Yes. Wish we could have gotten him to an IndyCar yeah. race. <laughs> Would have been nice. Also, this from Kelly Crandall. Scott Miller on this coming weekend at Texas. There's no PJ1 at Texas. We moved to the resin. Oh. Now, that, that be sounds worse? great, <laughs> but... There's still the PJ one on underneath all that, right? So yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah, of a process. Could have, been, could have been worse. All right, USAC veteran Levi Jones has been named the Indy Lights Series director. Seems uh, well regarded. Yes, very much so. So good, good news there. I think, and I mean, I don't think Kyle Novak was ever going to be the series director for Lights as well. It just doesn't make sense. But uh, he will take over on November first. So congrats to him on the new role and there's a blood drive uh with through the red cross at the ims museum on monday november 1st so mark mark your calendars from 11 a.m to 5 p.m um you can check ims as a twitter link uh, as well rcblood.org also and search for that event this in honor of robin miller couple of uh rumors from indycar deep throat now i think kind of touched on this last week maybe not fully so i want to bring it up again if not but word on the street is that there will be an incentive for indycar teams to have indy lights teams which huh 
fitting, right? I mean, it's something we've been kind of uh, talking about. What's the about incentive, though? Oh, an extra so test day? Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's got to be more than just an extra test day because that's not good enough. This this incentive would be in regards to a leader circle bump. See, that's what I was going to say, a financial incentive. Or do you guarantee eh, – I don't know if you can do this. Do you guarantee your spot in the leader circle by running an Indy Lights team, an Indy Lights car? I'd say an incentive. Now, it doesn't need to be a lot. I mean, I would say it has to be six figures. Yeah. $100,000. Exactly. I was going to say somewhere in that one hundred dollars to $200,000 range. I would agree. I, I think that is ideal situation as far as getting more people. And, and funny, Penske takes over IndyCar IMS – now he's probably going to have a, a lights team that he's essentially funding if it works out with Ernie Francis Jr., and then there's going to be an incentive. Go figure. Finally got him to join the series. <laughs> yeah. He just wants that money. Yes. Uh, let's see what else we got from IndyCar Deep Throat. Not a whole lot as far as some massive driver news, but a couple interesting nuggets. First one, Meyershank Racing, open for business on a third car, be it part-time or full-time. Some potential drivers to join MSR include Oliver Askew, Stefan Wilson, and even Callum Eilat. Even though Eilat's confirmed at Hunkos, interesting. Also, uh, IndyCar Deep Throat saying, I've been told that Lungard is all but confirmed for IndyCar next season. Team still pending. That part is interesting. The leader in the clubhouse would be Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Yes, and that's what IndyCar Deep Throat says. Uh, Lingard top of the list for the third seat at Ray Hall. Also, per one of my sources, uh, Kirkwood is definitely in with Andretti next year. But for how many How many races? Yeah, I think that's the key. Or is he just going to do a variety of disciplines in, in, the, uh, in, in their formulas? Yeah, hopefully full-time in IndyCar... I mean, I, I, I don't think Andretti is going to let him get away from the organization. Now, whether that be a handful of races in IndyCar and something else, sports car side, who knows? But I again, mean, I don't think Andretti's letting him get away. Is Are they keeping him around to be the replacement for the 27 in 2023? Does he replace Alexander Rossi after next season? Yeah, he could very well. I, I feel like maybe that's the plan. Maybe that's hey, Kyle, we're gonna you know kind of re- you're gonna get your feet wet in a variety of different things. We're gonna get you as many IndyCar starts as we can. The plan is you're in the 27 after Rossi's contract is done. Oliver Askew has some options. Interested in running full time or part time? Some of the links include a part time car with Meyer Shank Racing, possibly going back to McLaren for that third car that is open in quotes. Or getting a part-time Andretti ride similar to what Hinch had in 2020. The only teams that are set with no changes for next year are Penske and Ganassi. And then also more on Kyle Kirkwood. Um, uh, source suggests to any car deep throat. If guys like Ryan Hunter, Ray Sato, and even Stefan Wilson get rides confirmed this fall, and Kirkwood doesn't, it makes things a lot tougher for even part-time, let alone full-time. Um, and then on Herda to F1. So the Herda to Alpha for 2022 is more than on. And that Michael wants to put Kyle Kirkwood in Herda's IndyCar with his prize money and existing GameBridge Andretti connection. Keep an eye out. Hmm. So that's all good. But again, we went back to the super license points and that could yeah. be the deciding factor. Now, 
Would Liberty Media give a waiver to allow Curtin, uh, Colton Herta to compete in F1? Yeah, I think they would. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think that will take care of itself if it does indeed come to that. Which yeah. I, I think we'll know, obviously, not this weekend, but probably after next weekend. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have to wait very long. All right, some final things to get to before our random split air driver of the week. And let's see here. Uh, Lindy Thaxton, who's uh, she had half of her left lung uh, removed. They were able to remove all the cancer. So good news there for hers. Again, she she was cleared of cancer, then got cancer somewhere else. So really good news there. Best wishes for her on her continued recovery. And then this from the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The Indianapolis Department of Public Works, so they did a vote on snowplows. Uh-huh. And the winner of the new truck, the name, is Will Plower. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Which is just awesome. Just absolutely awesome. That's quality. All right. Anything that we missed? I don't think so. For another week without too much news, we made a lot of news. For sure. All right, I'm ready for your random split era driver of the week. You ready for this, my friend? We're going to cart in the years 2002 and 2003 for Luis Diaz. Who? That's right. Luis Diaz. Actually, his his enti- his full name, Luis Miguel Chapulin Diaz Costel. A Mexican race car driver. Ra- f- uh, appeared in two races in 2002 and 2003 for cart. Uh he's a Mexican driver. Can you imagine which two races he appeared in? Uh well, I'm kind of cheating cuz I just pulled it up. Fernandez Racing with Adrian Fernandez. Correct. With in, at Mexico City both years. Fernandez Racing in 02, Walker Racing in 03. Those are the only two races he ever raced in cart where Mexico City finished 19th in each race. But actually spent significant time in Indy Lights, three years, in fact. Two, two years with Team Mexico Quaker Herdez and 2001 with Roqueen Motorsports. A couple years in Atlantics with Doricot Racing and then made his uh, appearance with Fernandez, Fernandez Racing in 2002 and Walker Racing in 2003. I feel like this is interesting because if and when IndyCar goes back to Mexico, could we see some one-offs similar to Luis Diaz where you know he was given a shot in cart when the series was at Mexico City I mean we saw it well we didn't see it we weren't alive but in Argentina right when IndyCar opened the season there in like the 70s there yeah. were several and one of them actually ran pretty well yeah um yeah, I I think we will see you know more drivers besides Pato Award if he's still in IndyCar at the time, you know whether this is in two years, three years, four years, five years. I mean, we feel like it'll happen in the next three to five years that IndyCar will have a race in Mexico. Yeah, I just don't know who that driver would be. Now I know Andretti partnered with Michelle Jordan for a a team. And like the, I don't even know the name of it, but it's basically they race like semi trucks in Mexico. Ooh. And it's a series, I believe. And they kind of had a partnership and eventually they'd like to move up and 
you know, do road to Indy and then do IndyCar someday. That was Jordan talking there. There, there's probably someone in the pipeline. I just don't know who it was. Now there's a driver from Mexico that competed in Indy Lights this past season. Uh huh. Like I want to say his last name was like Suleiman or something. But yeah, something like that. I have no idea where he's at developmentally as far as being ready for IndyCar. Obviously not ready right now. Yeah, I don't think Maybe he's... after another year of lights could be a possibility. Not sure. Uh, yeah, it's Emmanuel Suleiman. 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 Yeah, for HMD. Uh, was in six races uh, this year for HMD. But Luis Diaz has uh, connections to some familiar names because after he got done with open-wheel racing, he started sports car racing and raced in the Rolex sports car series for Chip Ganassi Racing. 2004 2005 he moved uh over to the team's number one entry with scott pruitt another familiar name uh and then went to american Le Mans and even did the 12 hours of sebring in 2011 he got a class win in uh i'm not sure which what it was um but lmp2 is lmp2 and he partnered with ryan hunter ray in 2011 so he's pretty accomplished sports car driver. I mean, he won the series championship with Lowe's Fernandez Racing and LMS in 2009, dominated that season, uh, finished second in 2011 with Level 5 Motorsports. So, yeah, he's he's had some success, several class wins throughout his sports car career. So while a random split-era driver, he is by no means an unaccomplished race car driver as a whole. So... Uh, Luis Miguel Chapulin, which means grasshopper in Spanish. Uh, Diaz Castell, uh, born in Mexico City, December 1st, 1977. Two starts in cart, both in Mexico City, both finishes of 19th. In fact, he failed to finish both races uh, due to issues. But he is, Luis Diaz, your random split-era driver of the week for this week. And yet again, another week where I'd never heard of the guy. <laughs> yes. We'll see how how long we can keep that up. I'm worried one day where you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I'm be like, crap, I failed. Well, but even if we get to those random guys that we always joke about on here, I mean, the audience may not know <laughs> Absolutely. Are. Yes. And, and it still may be fascinating. I mean, there are a lot of characters in those you know, early IRL days for sure up until the early 2000s with some of the drivers that you know, they ran one or two races. You never heard from them again. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Oh, we got plenty. We got plenty in the in the pipeline. All right, tweets of the week. So this is actually technically a, a post that Poet Shevchenko pointed out to us. Right? He said, it's not a tweet, I know, but I think this is good enough to get an honorable mention in your tweets of the week. Well, this is the only thing even close to being good <laughs> enough. So well, this yeah. is our tweet of the week, and this is on the IndyCar Reddit page. Uh, but I'm pulling up to get the uh, uh, pit post is the handle. Well, we knew Michael Andretti was keen to keep Kyle Kirkwood, but I didn't realize that meant buying an entire F1 team to free up a spot in the IndyCar <laughs> team. <laughs> uh, you got to do what you got to do. We said Kyle Kirkwood is a top prospect not to let to him go. So if that means throwing hundreds of millions of dollars into Formula One, by gosh, you do it. Yeah, and we'll see how that plays out in the next two weeks i think we're all kind of fascinated to see if what is being rumored uh will actually come to fruition i mean we've seen this craziness before with alonzo to indycar rumors but it never felt as substantiated and you know maybe researched as this yeah 
as far as the different outlets covering it, not some obscure publication that we have to translate through Google to even understand what they're saying right. in English. This is a little different. Yeah, um, there's definitely some smoke because, you know, there's always stories that you translate and then they seem like a big deal and nobody else reports them and others where you have to translate it and then you start seeing it elsewhere. So this sounds like the latter. We shall see. Fingers crossed. Uh, I, I guess for us, I mean, we're rooting for her to, to get a seat. I think it'd be awesome. I oh, mean, absolutely, be another, man. Another reason to watch. It would give me more reason to watch. Absolutely. Many IndyCar fans do not feel that way. We feel that if Colton Herta gets the opportunity, accept it, take it, see how it works out. If it doesn't, you can always come back to IndyCar. And that's that's not meant to treat it as a a fallback option. I know that's what it sounds like. It's more that you have something so great, so unique, that you may never get that opportunity again. You go for it. Absolutely. It's a no-brainer. That's that's a good way to put it. So next week, we'll be back. More IndyCar off-season news. Plus, Justin, you've already lined up a guest for us next week. Yes, I have. Uh, Matt Hickey from Pit Lane Parlay is going to join us. So I uh, joined Matt and Mike this week. Talk some F1, talk some IndyCar on Pit Lane Parlay. Next week, we'll return the favor, have Matt on, and throw a deluge of random questions at him. Yes, like the McChicken thing. I, I got to know more about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we need the backstory on that. They hit hit me with some questions about Fort Wayne and and all that, uh, where we're based. So uh, we'll reciprocate next week. We'll find out some things. And also, Pit Lane Parlay has done a really good job. They were actually on top of the, the Andretti to F1 thing. So yeah. uh, those guys doing a great job. Can't wait to talk to Matt and uh, and continue to cultivate that relationship with those guys. All right, that's next week here on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.